This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again uh, today on these Mondays. Uh, joining us, uh, the director of golf at Eagle Creek uh, Golf Club right here in uh, Wilmer is uh, Greg Snow and... Uh, well, quite a day yesterday, uh, sporting-wise, Greg. Let's let's start with the Masters. Of course, the Timberwolves are creating news of their own. But uh, the Masters yesterday, a worthy champion, John Rahm, that's for sure. Boy, he looked good. I, I, I had a sneaky suspicion. We had all of our eggs kind of in Brooks Kepka, me and my uh, me and my group that we have for our Masters pool. And I said to somebody, I go, Rom looks unbeatable. I mean, he's making all the 15 footers and, you know, he just, he just looked unbeatable. And I said that before the restart. And then of course, out of the restart, Brooks Kepka was not the same person the rest of the rest of the tournament. So yeah, worthy champion is right, Todd, because he's won three times. Well now four already this year. Yep. So he's runaway player of the year. They don't even need to play another, uh, they don't need to see it up anymore. Just give them the uh, whatever that trophy is at the end of the year. <laughs> whatever the trophy is. What do you mean? They got three majors left yet. I'm not handing it to him just yet. But he certainly looks like he's well on his way. What happened to Kepka? Now, it's a strange phenomena among a lot of this generation of professional golfers we've seen with Rory and with Spieth and with Kepka. It's that they, they win a bunch of majors in a shorter period of time. But as soon as they start to have a lack of success in majors by maybe faltering down the stretch, uh, perhaps for the first time in a major, uh, when they were there uh, contending for the first time when they were young in majors, they never even thought about it. Suddenly they falter, and then it really gets to them. We haven't seen Rory win one in nine years. We haven't seen Spieth come really very close, unless he can come from off the lead like he did this weekend. And now Kepka too, also faltering with the lead after winning four majors in a span of three years. And and uh, we're, we're seeing it. I don't know these guys. Uh, I don't know if they start thinking about their place in history too much or what goes on. Todd, it is a, the most riveting question, and I'll equate it to one thing. I heard it on the broadcast yesterday. I don't know if anybody caught it that Phil Mickelson made a putt from, I don't know, it was 10-footer or 6-footer or something like that, and it dripped over the edge. And it just, you know, just barely kind of. And the commentator says, oh, back in the day, that would have been rammed in the back. Got a little more respect now as he gets older. And I, I, I don't, you have to read between the lines to kind of understand that what happens as you get older is you start to understand all the things, the scar, I think you bring it up, the scar tissue. Yeah. That is developed, and you start thinking of the bad things that can happen, and all of a sudden you're not thinking of ramming in the hole. You're thinking, I've jammed it by before and then missed the comebacker. So I don't want to miss the comebacker. So if I miss this one, I want to leave it to nothing. Hmm. And it's just what happens to people, and I think it's the same true with even golf swings, is some of that scar tissue comes in. I'm not saying Brooks, you know, at his age has a ton. It's got to start somewhere, Todd. I mean – Ian Baker Finch, when he ended up quitting golf, is he just didn't know how to pull the club back, and it was a two-way miss, and he didn't know where it was going. And just that guy was awesome as a player for a little while there. Yeah. And so it, it's true, Todd. They can go in these runs where they're, in the, you know, unbeatable. I mean, they just look like we're – like John Ron right now. It looks like nobody's going to beat him again. I sat there on the drive home last night, and I said, this guy's going to be a Grand Slam winner. He's going to win all four of them. Who's stopping that? I mean, 
It looks unbelievable how good he hits those clubs, and he knows I'm going to fade it five yards or ten yards. That's my shot. And, and again, it just it's so – I hate to say pretty to watch because I was cheering against him, but it really is. And so back to your point of something happens over time. Something happens. Yep. And they just lose that confidence. And it goes, and all of a sudden they're dripping putts over the edge rather than jamming them in the back. Yeah, yeah, and you know I wouldn't say that Rom has a pretty game to watch. I mean, it's forceful and violent, and that really short backswing that he has, and then he and then he Boy, generates so much power. Uh, I don't think it's a beautiful swing to watch necessarily like, a, you know, Phil Mickelson's uh, uh, swing is. But, uh, but boy, is he effective, and he does, he does not miss much. And, and they've said that he, when he's playing right, he's the best left-to-right putter for a right-handed uh, uh, player in golf. And, there's you know, that's, that's the trickier putt to read, and, and he seems to have no trouble with it. Uh, for Kepka, uh, he, he looked like a machine the first two days, and... I think it's possible that Kepka had a little too much time to sit around and think about what it would mean to suddenly be the face of Live Golf. If he wins the Masters, he's the face of Live Golf going forward. And I'm not sure he wanted that. Boy, that's uh, that's an interesting take. That didn't cross my mind at all. Hmm. Um, that that's what that he was playing for Live. I get the sense of all of them that he's the one that that maybe didn't want to go to live of all of them. I mean, I think didn't want to go. I mean, he went, of course he wanted to go. Well, the money and the fact that he might, he may have thought he doesn't admit this because he's got a little bit of cockiness to him. He may have thought that his career was on the, on the end. Mm. Like I don't have much time left, so I'm going to make whatever money I can going to play that. Then all of a sudden he finds some success. He says he's healthier and now, yeah, I, I don't think he can get out of it, but, the nice thing for those guys, Todd, is they all moved up significantly in the world ranking points, mm-hmm. you know, so that now they can get, you know, and again, Phil's always going to go, P. Reed's always going to go, and, you know, Brooksy finishes, you know, he's got majors, so he's got another a bunch of years to play in these, you know, he's got major wins. But some of those guys, you know, they, they needed some points. Yeah. They got to move up until they can figure this stuff out. Yeah, that's for sure. Part of the reason I say that about Kepka is he did actually say to the media this week that that he thought he may never be healthy again and, and be the player uh, that he once was again. So he was taking uh, stock of his mortality, if you will. And also, you know, when I was talking with Sue Ann last week, Kepka is was one of the guys from Live that didn't wear any Live golf stuff. You know, if you saw Reed and, and Mickelson in particular, because those are the guys they were showing, if, if their live golfer wasn't right near the back and, and playing well, they weren't showing them. But those two guys, they all they had live golf wear on. It didn't say live golf, but it did say their teams. Kepka didn't do that. And uh, they, they asked him at the press conference, if you had to do over, if you knew you were going to get healthy like this, would your life be different? And he said, yeah, it's possible it would. So I don't, so like you said, he, he didn't really necessarily want to go to live. He felt compelled to because the money was too good and he wasn't sure uh, about his health uh, moving forward. So that again tells me, so he doesn't really want to be on live. But if he wins the Masters as a member of the live tour, that's what he's going to get asked about constantly. And he becomes the face of live. And I don't think he really wanted it. Todd, I did hear that they were contractually obligated to wear their team stuff, but now that you say that, you're right. Brooks didn't. Nope, never did. Did you hear any reason why he 
he was allowed out or maybe maybe there's consequences coming. Um, I, I, I haven't heard. I haven't heard right. either. He had, he had the Nike gear on, did yep. he not? Yep, he did. He did not wear any live uh, golf stuff. He did not wear any of his team stuff, uh, whereas the others were. So uh, it, it, it's interesting. Plus, these guys, are uh, their contracts run through 25. Uh, that's what I've seen. A lot of information about lift contracts has come out because of the lawsuits. And one of them is that the players that got this guaranteed money are contractually obligated through 25 uh, season. And, and if they try to leave and break their contract ahead of that, uh, they are obligated to pay live golf back anywhere from two to four times the amount that they got uh, for their bonus guarantee. So in Kepka's case, he's probably around a hundred million. So he would owe live anywhere from two to four hundred million dollars. So he's not yeah. getting out of his contract before twenty-five. Right, but he'll be at an age at twenty-five if he doesn't want to come back. If the PGA Tour will allow him, that's right. That's the other elephant in the room. Yep. Who knows what their stance is going to be? But lots of lots of action on Twitter, Todd. Of yeah. the PGA needs to bury the hatchet, make it better for the fans. Let us have them for 10, 10 other events. You know, besides the majors, you won't get all of them, but you can get some of them. And it's it's getting petty, and they need to they need to figure this out. Yeah, it, the golf fans are the ones that lose uh, in the end, that's for sure. So uh, what did you think about, you know, it's easy to be way off the lead with no realistic chance of winning the tournament and shoot a low score on Sunday. That's much easier than being in contention, as we saw from both uh, lefty yesterday, Phil Mickelson, who played the best round of the day at 52 years of age. He finishes tied for second, the oldest ever finish in the top five uh, you know, in a major. And and uh, same thing for, for Jordan Spieth, nothing to lose. He was terrible on Saturday, the third round, uh, and he goes out and shoots 66. A lot easier to do that from way off the pace, isn't it? It, it is, Todd, but it's also it was a perfect pairing for the both of them. They, yeah. they fed off each other. Um, I You know, we see this with the T-Wolves with free throw shooting. It's contagious. I believe birdies are contagious. I believe good golf is contagious. You see the guy next to you. I mean, it's not always the case, but um, look at the Cantley-Hovland grouping. Now, they had their own issues with pace of play, and Hovland was none too happy about it, it, it looked like, uh, with some of the things that I've been seeing. But bottom line is that they were feeding off each other the wrong way. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, Mickelson and, and Spieth are birdie, you know, swapping birdies all over the place. It reminded me of that Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson Masters, Many, many years ago where they both went, they were paired together and they were kind of back of the field and they lit it up, both of them. And it made it great for the fans. And I think guys coming from behind, it never felt like Mickelson or Spieth was going to win. Never. No. There's no, nobody can ever say that. No. But when Mickelson made that putt at the end, you went, oh, what happens if Rom has a bad back nine? Because Brooksy was already falling apart. Yeah. Now you start thinking, well, this could be a backdoor playoff type of a scenario. Obviously, Rom, steady Eddie, just never let that happen. But bottom line was it sure was fun, Todd. And it's great to see that, that these guys, you know, they, they're never out. I mean, a 7-under in the first round um, feels differently than a 7-under in the last round when you're even. It is probably easier to freewheel. But then you see other guys go the other way as well, yeah. where they just kind of stop caring, and all of a sudden they shoot 80. I'm guessing that's what happened to Jason Day. Yeah, he probably stopped caring, and all of a sudden it was an eighty because he was playing too good 
to shoot an 80. Yeah, that was a surprise, certainly. So the pace of play thing with uh, 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 with Hovland, I didn't see anything about that. It was incredibly slow to start the fourth round. And one guy who is a culprit of that is the amateur Sam Bennett. Really a slow player. Multiple regrips. He is just really slow. And uh, Hovland was playing behind him, so I wonder if that's who he might have been a little upset with. Well, it was Cantley was the biggest okay. uh, problem, but you're right, Todd. There was lots of talk about Bennett, and sometimes these college kids, they, um, you know, they model somebody uh, up there, and they think, well, you got You always hear, take your time, you know. And we hear this in refing too all the time, Todd. It's take your time, and I'm like, well, not at the expense of everybody. Yeah. No, don't take it. Get it right and keep moving. You know that type of thing. And it's the same thing with golf. It's you got to keep moving the multiple regrips. Cantley pounding around the, the green multiple times, yeah. slower than slow on his walk. I mean, that's the other thing is his walking pace was so bad that Hovland was ahead of him all day. Yeah. Again, if you ask Victor, he's too good of a kid. He'd never, never throw Cantley under the bus. He might say something like, yeah, I think the pace could have been a little better, but he'll never say, I just don't understand why these guys are doing what they're doing and taking forever. I mean, my goodness, there's somebody said uh, about a putt, like, you would never know this unless you played here. And I'm like, um, I've watched the Masters for 40 years. I know what that putt does. Yeah, right. Because we've all seen it on TV. These guys have watched the Masters. They know what's going on in these greens. Doesn't mean that they're confused, but it just, you know, or that, that, they, that they can't be confused, I mean. But it does mean they know generally what's happening out there with the contours. It's, it's just dumb talk. Yeah. So the biggest story coming out of the Masters, John Rahm. And can he go on to be one of the greats of all time? Second biggest story is it was a good day. It was a good weekend for Lyft Golf with, with uh, Mickelson, Kepka, and Reed all in the top four. So uh, certainly a good day for them. Hey, let's move on to the Timberwolves, Greg, because there's a lot going on with them as well. Teammates punching each other, guys punching the wall and losing. Uh, what a mess. So they win yesterday's game against the Pelicans, which helps them a little bit in the play-in tournament. But they lose Jaden McDaniels probably for the season by punching a wall, and clearly there's something going on uh, with Rudy Gobert and his teammates too. Yeah, I think Jaden will be back for the NBA Finals, Todd, when the Timberwolves get there. So in 28, he'll be back. <laughs> 2028. <laughs> so question was raised. Which was the bigger embarrassment, Rudy punching um, Anderson or McDaniels punching the wall. And to me, it's McDaniels. I have no problem with Rudy and, and Kyle going after it and each other. I mean, again, it wasn't a face punch. It was just kind of the shoulder. Yeah. Kyle, of course, is going to get mad. They did it right. Rudy, go home. You were questionable anyways with back spasms. Bye. We don't want to see you in the locker room. We'll deal with it tomorrow when cooler heads can prevail. But, but maybe some of that, I don't know the timing of it. I, I, I was kind of in and out between the masters of when Jaden punched the wall versus when that scuffle happened. But bottom line, Todd is that punch of the wall will cost the Timberwolves. They'll probably lose to LA. They have a chance to win at home against what I think will be the Pelicans, which would put them in the eight seed and then maybe take a game from Denver. Maybe is the best case scenario in yeah. this, in this, what it looks like when you lose your best defender who yes, gets a tough whistle, but you still need him for his 24 minutes a game that he can give you, and he can lock down somebody. He could guard Jamal Murray or somebody like that. But at the end of the day, kind of fitting to the end of this year, and they're going to have to reevaluate, uh, reevaluate Todd. But 
Um, my wife enjoyed it. Thanks for uh, thanks for getting her to that game. She really uh, she had a great time there. Hey, uh, is is Chris Finch on the hot seat? I, he has to be. Yeah. I think Conley's looking at everything, and Conley's going to have a hard time admitting that this was his mistake. You know that that he shouldn't have done the Rudy Gobert trade. Yeah. Um. So he's going to figure out a way to make that work. And there's two item, two options. Can't touch Ant or McDaniel's. Can't touch him. You get rid of Finch or you get rid of Cat. And I'm right now leaning to get rid of Cat. And then middle of the season next year, if there's nothing progressing or moving forward, if Ant hasn't taken another step to be the best, I mean, uh, he's still missing way too many mid-range jumpers for me, Todd. I'm. I'm not ecstatic about his game. He's off to a horrible start yesterday, which led to some of that scuffle on the bench. Yeah, Finch is on the hot seat, Todd. Yeah. I, would you agree? Yes, I would. Uh, I, and I think I'm very much on the same scenario that you laid out. I think they'll get into uh, – they'll probably get beat by the Lakers, and then they'll beat whoever, you know, it's uh, what, Oklahoma City or the Pelicans. Win that one, get in, and, and like you said, maybe a game against Denver, but probably no more than that. And and then, yeah, Finch is on the hot seat. He could get fired. But uh, the the first season of the Rudy Gobert experiment is an abject failure uh, by Tim Connolly and the Timberwolves front office. Uh, everybody there, you know, outside of Twin Cities media and Timberwolves fans, that trade was widely panned in the in the NBA. Many uh, NBA analysts could not figure out what the Timberwolves were doing because everybody's going small and then they go big and not just big, but really big uh, because Towns and Gobert are both seven footers and they're both awkward. It's not like they're Kevin Durant seven foot who slips right. and slides and is super athletic and, and can get his... Ant and or uh, uh, Townsend Gobert are awkward as can be. They are elbows and knees and hands flying and flailing uh, at all times, and that that makes it uh, tougher for uh, Edwards to drive into the lane and others. And and um, you know, I was willing to go along with it when they made the trade. I thought, all right, well, hey, at least uh, another star player actually wants to come here. But after watching Gobert for the entire season. I'm really not impressed. I mean, sure, a few blocked shots, but you know what? Uh, if a team makes 50% of their field goals and all of his block shots are around the rim, uh, you know, uh, that's one point per blocked shot. Well, that's not a huge impact. The guy averages two blocks per game. Uh, I think it's maybe a little more than that. Let's say three blocks per game. But that's only a three points uh, potentially that you've saved on the scoreboard. I, I, I don't think this is going to work the way the Timberwolves envisioned. It was a complete overreaction to the loss to Memphis in the playoff series because we got out-rebounded so poorly. Mm-hmm. And again, you had, a, you had the hustle guys like Vanderbilt and McDaniels out there, but they weren't picking up the boards like you'd hope for them. And so Tim Conley, he overreacted, said, I got to fix that. And then now I'm worried, Todd, that he might say, well, we were without cap for 50 games. Yeah. So oh, of course. Been, we could have been the two, three, or four seed. Yeah, doubtful, of, but yeah. And you know what? We have enough of a sample size to see that this didn't work. I got to try to get some capital back. But bottom line is the Wolves should be good, not great, but good for the next five to ten years because of Ant and McDaniels. Yeah. Should be. McDaniels. And so the draft pick, yeah. well, again, he's – yeah, he's never going to be all-star caliber, but he's a great complimentary player. You have yeah. to have those. Yeah. You yeah. have to have complimentary. But we've seen it with Ant and Cat. Yeah. They, I don't think they can coexist. But anyways, I know we got to go, but yeah. thanks. Uh, 
I, I'm disgusted right yeah. now, but yeah. we'll play out this year and then we'll beat it up in the off season. Greg, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Have a great day. Greg Snow with us here on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends Podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.